Our worship team, or the lack of our worship team, Aubrey, first of all, we thank you for showing up. If you travel a lot, you may want to join our worship team. <laughs> but Mike is on, I think, permanent loan to uh, Seattle, drummer Mike. Regular Mike's back next Sunday. He's in Seattle right now, too. And then Jaime's in Texas. And uh, pray for Jaime, by the way. His mother is gravely ill, and it doesn't look like she has much longer for this world. So remember Jaime and his mom. But we're in Exodus. We're going to finish up chapter 4 and hopefully go all the way through the beginning of chapter 6. In chapter 4, Moses and his wife Zipporah have reluctantly circumcised Gershom, their son. God has sent his angel to stop Moses along the way down into Egypt. And he's about to kill Moses because Moses is being disobedient. And Moses is allowed to live, and now he continues on his mission down into Egypt to free up the Hebrew people. So let's pick it up in verse 27 of chapter 4. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him, all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went together <clears throat> to all the elders of the children of Israel. Israel And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, that he had looked on their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. God in his mercy and grace has sent Aaron, Moses' brother, to be his spokesman for him because Moses has complained to the Lord uh, that he is not eloquent, he doesn't speak well. And the question arises, well, who does? <laughs> oh, you know, my goodness. Uh, I think I, along with a lot of people, had a definite fear of public speaking before ever getting into teaching God's Word. And God and I had to have a dealing with that. Man. He won. Uh, but Moses and Aaron, they gathered the children of Israel. They gathered the elders, and they declare God's word to them. And then Moses will show them the signs of the rod. And the, he throws the rod down, and you know how it then becomes a serpent. And this is quite amazing. And then Moses says, hey, watch my hand, and he puts his hand into his bosom, pulls it out, and it's leprous, and he puts it back in, and it's clean. And this also is amazing to them that the hand becomes clean. And the elders of Israel begin to worship God because of these signs. To worship is a general term meaning to give honor unto and as a human being, we all worship. It's just a matter of who or what. 
Whatever gets you out of bed in the morning might be the thing that you worship. What is the thing that drives you? What's your passion? Some people, it's uh, trying to please others, and that's their main object in life. For others, it's perhaps a higher position at work, a position of authority. Maybe it's wanting to live in the right neighborhood or the right house. Could be an automobile, a ski boat, a motorcycle. Motorcycle. <laughs> it can even be a pastime or a hobby. As Americans, we seldom bow or prostrate ourselves before any deity. Uh, and many cultures of the world find that a little bit strange about us. We say we love God and worship God, yet we don't show the outward signs of worshiping God. Therefore, our worship, it can be casual uh, in appearance compared to other cultures, but we still worship. A Muslim, they will fall face down on the ground in prayer to Allah several times a day. No question about it. They are praying. They are worshiping. A few years ago, quite a few years ago, the singer-songwriter Bob Dylan, he wrote a song, and I'm going to sing it for you. No, you can not going to ever have that happen. Don't worry about it. But the lyrics of it go like this. You got to worship somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to worship somebody. And how true that is. How true that is. There's times when I feel that I have to get on my knees and pray simply to honor my Lord. You know, standing, and now I like to walk and pray. Usually I'll walk down in the, in the pasture around the ponds and something, and I have my prayer time. But every now and again, I just feel it's necessary for me to get on my knees before my God and pray. These Jewish elders have bowed their heads, prostrated themselves, and worshipped. And that was good. Now let's look at Exodus chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, 
You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourselves straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when you were, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick before yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, and they say to us, Make brick. And indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your people. But he said, You are idle, idle. Therefore you say, Let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks." And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, You shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Quite the scene. Moses, he comes boldly before Pharaoh, declaring God's word to him. Let Israel go and hold a feast to God in the wilderness. And he emphasizes the three-day journey thing. But Pharaoh, he's got questions. Who is the Lord? And why should I obey him? And how I wish it was only Pharaoh that asked that question. It seems to be a question of humanity in their own worldly wisdom. Who is the Lord and why should I obey him? Do whatever you feel is right in your own eyes and be sincere about it, but as long as you believe it, it's okay. I don't think there's ever been bigger lies cast upon humanity than those lies. But Pharaoh, he says, I do not know your Lord. And he says, I will not let Israel go. Now, let me set the scene just a little bit. In Egypt, 
Pharaoh is looked upon as God. He is considered a child of the sun, S-U-N, sun, or their God called Ra. All the pharaohs were worshipped, not just this current one, along with other false deities in Egypt. The pharaohs were never public servants, as we would might look upon as a politician, and they never pretended to be a servant of the people. The people of Egypt lived to serve the pharaoh, and his power, it was absolute. And there was no God remotely equal to the Pharaoh in Egypt. In fact, there was an inscription, an inscription they found in one of the Egyptian temples which read, I am that which was and is, and, you sh- and there shall be no other man that can lift my veil. In other words, I'm deity. Now, the trouble with hearing a lie repeatedly, you begin to believe that lie. When enough people tell you you are a god, sooner or later you kind of begin to believe it. And Pharaoh is there. And in Pharaoh's mind, he is a god. Now, Moses... Moses is familiar with all the wisdom, all the rules and regulations of Egypt. He's familiar with their false worship. You remember he was raised for 40 years as Pharaoh's son. Moses, however, has long ago realized his mortality. He understands completely that neither he nor any other man is God. For the true and living God has appeared to Moses, and he appeared to Moses in the bush that burned but would not be consumed. And that was amazing to Moses. And now Moses encounters Pharaoh that thinks he is God. And all the people of Egypt, they're constantly reminding Pharaoh, hey, You are God. So we have Pharaoh, probably thinking he is a God, and he's not going to give up that position easily. He enjoys being respected as a God. He enjoys the worship that is given him as a God. But now we have the true and living God calling on Pharaoh through Moses, and Pharaoh resists. He resists to his own demise. Recently, I had a fellow here in the fellowship point out to me that he has seen a lot of people climb the corporate ladder and men rise to prominence quickly. And he says, They have a trait that is surprising. He says some of them actually think they become better looking as they move up the ladder. I said, really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) And they become more handsome. They become more charming. 
To me, that's the Pharaoh syndrome. <laughs> so in Egypt, we now have a showdown that's coming between a man who thinks he is God and the true and living God. And personally, I think God is itching to bring the plagues on Egypt just to show Pharaoh who he is. Pharaoh has declared, I will not let Israel go. God has declared, you will not only let Israel go, you will drive them out of your nation. A little difference. Whenever we or anyone else begins to think, we control our own fate, our own destiny. Be careful. For God looks upon such statements not only as being foolish, but they are prideful. We read in the New Testament, Do not say we will go to a certain city and work there and make a profit, but rather say if the Lord wills. That's taking into consideration that God controls everything. We are foolish to boast of future things that we cannot control. But now Pharaoh, he's going to show his arrogance, he's going to show his power, and he's going to demand that the brick quota remain the same from the Hebrews. You, you slaves, you continue to make brick, but we're no longer give, going to give you straw to make brick. And straw is kind of the rebar of a brick. It kind of holds the brick together. And the Egyptians would grow straw, or they'd harvest the wheat, and then the straw they would give uh, to the brick makers to keep their bricks intact. But the bricks, the quota is not to diminish, nor is the quality of the brick to diminish. The overseers, the officers that are in Israel's camp, Israelis themselves, complain to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh remains obstinate towards the Hebrews, and the quota of brick, it does not drop. These Hebrew officers return to Moses and Aaron, and they blame them for their harsh treatment by Pharaoh. You have made us abhorrent, hated in the sight of Pharaoh, and you've given him reason to kill us. Verse 22, Moses, he's heartbroken by this, of course, and he goes before the Lord and he asks, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this, your people? Why have you sent me to speak? In your name. And we can almost hear Pharaoh, uh, rather Moses, crying out about the evilness of Pharaoh and all that he's done to his people. But I don't know if you've noticed, it's kind of human nature. Many times for God to show us what our true need is, Bad circumstances have to come upon us. And when they become worse before they improve, we can find ourselves saying things like, it couldn't get any worse than this. And lo and behold, it gets worse. 
Pharaoh, he has revealed his true feeling towards the Hebrew people. As long as they have slaved away, and there's millions of them, building his empire, he's not so cruel to them. But when they desire freedom, and they're talking three days of freedom here, Pharaoh's hatred rises to the surface, and the people who were excited about being free, just for three days, they now blame Moses for Pharaoh's behavior towards them. Moses, it's your fault that Pharaoh now hates us and is threatening to kill us. But let's read the first 13 verses of chapter 6 and hear what God has to say about this situation. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Cana, the land of the pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into a land which I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, and I'll give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of the land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me, how then shall they heed Pharaoh, for I am of uncircumcised lips? Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Moses, his hope was for Israel to be delivered in a non-confrontal type way. And how often do we want it that way? What we don't understand sometimes is God is wanting to make a statement here to the unbelieving world. You have resisted me. Now I'm going to show myself strong against you. God has been faithful to tell Moses, Pharaoh will not surrender the children of Israel without a fight. Verse 1, God speaking, now Moses, now Moses, you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For Pharaoh will not let my people go, but I will make Pharaoh drive them out of the land. Moses, 
Let me remind you, not Pharaoh, let me remind you, Moses, I am the Lord. And the best interpretation we have there is Yahweh, our supreme God. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, Yahweh, I was not known to them. I declare... I declared outright I would give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the land where they were pilgrimaging in. And I've also heard their cries and their groanings of my people that are in bondage. Moses, you go and tell the people I will rescue them from their bondage. And I will redeem them with an outstretched arm and great judgments. And I'm going to make these people my people. Then Moses, you will know I am the Lord your God who delivers you. God demonstrates his power not only to Pharaoh, but to Moses and the children of Israel also. We the ones that should know our God and know his strength and know his power sometimes have to be reminded of his power. Moses, you go tell my words to Israel and to Pharaoh. And Moses obeys. But the children of Israel, they will not listen to Moses. And it's because of the anguish, because of the hard bondage that they're under, the cruel treatment that Egypt is putting upon him. But now, Moses, you tell Pharaoh that he must let the children of Israel go out of Egypt. Pharaoh, of course, hardens his heart. And Pharaoh's reaction is to pile more rigorous labor on the Israelis. And God has a reaction to Pharaoh. And you've you got to be careful or you don't see this. Let my people go. And this time, it's not for three-day period. Let my people go, period. Uh-oh. No more vacation. This is a permanent thing. Let them go and worship me. In the wilderness, not for three days. You just let them go, Pharaoh. Just let them go. God has changed his demand as Pharaoh hardened his heart. That should speak a lesson to us. Moses declares to God, The children of Israel, my Hebrew brothers, they will not listen to me. So, God, why should Pharaoh listen to me if my own people will not listen to me? And then he says, for I'm a man of uncircumcised lips. And all that means is, I am a man of unclean lips and poor of speech. But notice verse 13. God gives Aaron and Moses, he gives them a command. God gives the children of Israel a command and God gives Pharaoh a command. Bring Israel out of the land of Egypt. God is no longer asking. 
There's no more politeness with God. God is commanding Moses. He's commanding his people. And he's commanding Pharaoh, his enemy. Now, we don't hear God command too many times, especially as believers. God would much rather deal with us, his people, by asking us to do things, lovingly instructing us, not commanding us. Jesus Christ, full of mercy and grace. Thank you, Lord. Jesus Christ, the only one with words of life. And Jesus tells us this. He tells us to love him. And he tells us to love one another. And Jesus tells us as his children, we're to show our love towards him through obedience. He doesn't want to command us, but he's not beyond it. I often pray, God, let me love you and obey you without you commanding me to do so. Let me do it because I love you. You ever prayed that one? Lord, let me serve you out of love. I don't want to do it because I know it's the right thing to do. I don't want to do it from pressure or anything else. I want to serve you out of love, Lord. As my brothers and sisters, we are pleasing to our God by loving him with a willful heart, with no commands. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. And then we'll have our worship team come up and lead us in. <laughs> Father God, we are grateful for your kindness towards us. Thank you for not being a harsh God. Lord, our, our hearts go out to the Muslim people who look upon their God as harsh and cruel and unloving. And we want to introduce him to our God who is loving and kind and full of mercy and full of grace. And thank you for being that way, Lord. But we also thank you for your strength and your power and your just your awesome control of this whole world and all the situations in it. So, Lord, as your people, as your people who see your goodness, let us love you and obey you from a grateful, willing heart. We ask for that, Lord. Just make us thankful for the many blessings that we have through you. Thank you for loving us, and Lord, let us love you in return. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.